What's up, everybody? I'm Jamie Barnes, the host of this Wine and Politics podcast, where you bring two different people with different points of view together on the political spectrum, whether that's on the right or across the aisle, and get a different view of things, find common ground, find some understanding between one another, all while drinking wine. This episode, I'm especially excited to share with you all because I get to interview a friend of mine, Nash Blankenship. And he is a member of the Log Cabin Republicans, also known as LCR, if you hear us referring to that in the episode. Log Cabin Republicans is an organization dedicated to representing LGBT conservatives and their allies. And Nash shares with us, actually, his own personal journey back into conservative or really Republican politics. So... We talk about Nash's personal story. We also talk LGBT politics. We talk about party realignment and even the Florida parental rights and education bill from a few months ago, which some refer to it on the left as the don't say gay bill. So we talk through that. And we also talk about the importance of mental health and how that actually relates to the homeless crisis that we're seeing across our cities right now. And I just have to say, I really appreciate the conversation with Nash because he was super transparent, honest, and he just told it like it was. So I hope you all get a chance to take away from this episode. I really enjoyed the conversation and I really enjoyed getting to understand a little bit more from his perspective. So enjoy. Welcome back to the Wine and Politics podcast. I am your host, Jamie Barnes, and today we're going to have a really awesome conversation around, you know, LGBTQ, around the party realignment, and even about mental health and homelessness, all while trying to bring perspectives into conversation so that we can have common ground with each other. But the catch is that we have to be drinking wine. (laughs) So I'd like to welcome my special guest today, Nash Blankenship. Hi, Jane Marie. How are you today? I'm great, Nash. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm excited to be talking to you today about LGBT and all the things, all the (laughs) political things, you know, it's a yeah, of course. It'll be fun. I'm excited. And drink your wine. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely be drinking. <laughs> awesome. So, Nash, how about you give listeners a little bit more of, you know, insight and background into how you are here? Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, I come from a very conservative background. Uh, I wouldn't say conservative in terms of religious necessarily, but more conservative politically and very Mm -hmm. fiscally conservative um, parents, Um, especially my mother is very fiscally conservative, but things kind of changed for me growing up. You kind of strayed away from the conservative? I strayed away. Well, I didn't stray away from it, but I started, you know, I realized I was gay um, Mm -hmm. very early on actually, um, but I didn't really come out necessarily until uh, college. Mm -hmm. So, but that was very hard for me growing up when I started realizing that would they, you know, be open to me Yeah, uh, because I knew that politically speaking that like the, the stereotype Democrats of a, were only, yeah. only for, you know, like the Democrats were very open to gays. Yeah, like they paint themselves as the party of inclusivity. Inclusivity, you sure. know, like anyone who's different mm-hmm. or artistic because, you know, I'm an artist. And mm-hmm. Anybody who doesn't fit into a specific mold. Correct. And yeah. so I, I had even the narrative growing up um, or as I started to get more politically active. And I mean, my mom watches Bill O'Reilly every night. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with Brett Baer. <laughs> like, Fox News. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I started to buy into the narrative a little bit um, in middle school of, you know, they're white supremacists. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're very religious. They hate gays. This is, you know, I'm going to go to hell. Like, you know, and what are they going to think about me? Right. And, you know, and I, I still have that a little bit, but I would say 90, 5% 5% now, mm-hmm. even 99 now, I've found a community yeah. um, and the tables have turned. Yeah. You know, oh, that's really awesome. Have. I they love have. to hear that. Um, and I can be fiscally conservative. Yeah. I can be gay, you know, and not be hypocritical necessarily, mm-hmm. but um, questioning of 
has this gone too far? Right. You don't no have to who you feel love, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just kind of like, but has it gone too far in our society to where it's like, mm-hmm. are we moving the ball forward in right. terms of it? Or frankly, are we almost going back to more of an archaic view of, you know, everyone being different? Like I, I have longer toenails, so I need to, you know, be in a more, <laughs> I need, I have, I need a group for that. Right. right you know right. what I mean? Being gay, it's not my whole personality. It's just something that is a part of me, but it's right. not my whole identity. It, yeah. I'm an artist. I'm, you know, a ginger. I'm, <laughs> I'm you know, artist, I could I'm identify so many different types of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but ultimately too, I'm an American. Yeah. Like that's what, to me, we need to get back to is I agree. I'm not a, I'm not even gay American. I'm American. Right. We are the most diverse country to me in the world. Mm-hmm. And let that be something that we celebrate, not that we're all so different, but mm-hmm. that what brings us together is we are all American. Right. We are all fighting for freedom mm-hmm. and civil liberties mm-hmm. and freedom of speech. I mean, yeah. that is literally number one. Right. That is why we, you know, the founding fathers created this country in the first place. Yeah. You know, it wasn't to be divided into different categories because I have longer toenails than you. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was all about freedom and everyone has the freedom to speak their mind, to be gay, to right. have longer toenails, whatever. To have you know what toenails. I mean? Like whatever I you want to do. Now so yeah, anyway, that's yeah. kind of my background. I yeah, love that. But, I feel like you yeah. it kind of we're struggling with like who you were, what your identity was and feeling like you couldn't fit into the box of what you thought being a conservative, being a Republican, being um, for all these other values, you know, being fiscally conservative, believing in free speech. sounds like you almost like couldn't fit into that box just because of this one extra thing. Definitely. And I mean, I, I had therapists tell me like, well, you know, politically the Democrats like support you and the you Republicans therapists don't. therapists tell you that? Yeah. Like politically that, you know, and I was like, what like sounds, I mean it, I it, it seems so like very that. one-sided as well like mm-hmm. it didn't seem to me that we're a fabric and mm-hmm. that like I said I almost and I started to believe it because I feel like the Democrats I hate to say a lot of them you know they push the narrative of well since you're gay then vote for me right and it's like that is not there's so many different issues too right that for me are so much bigger fiscal issues are big for me mm-hmm. I mean if you don't have money and, you know, if you uh, can't manage the money, aka our federal government, right. um, on both sides, then that's a big issue for me. That's bigger than having gay rights. I right. mean, now, obviously, when I was growing up in the early 2000s, it, it was definitely shifting. And it was very difficult because, frankly, I would consider myself more in the early 2000s more of a Democrat, mm-hmm. frankly, in a way. But yet, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so fiscally conservative. And I have other, like, I just, I'm for freedom that I'm not, you know, going down the, the Democrat fully, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I was like, where do I fit? And so I was, I was like, I'm independent basically. Yeah. And I still would feel that way. I, I hesitate to even call myself a conservative necessarily <laughs> because I just, I don't like that label. Sure. I am more for freedom. I'm very for liberty mm-hmm. um, and making your own decisions and not being a victim mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because I am gay or I yeah. have longer toenails or whatever it right. might be, you know, just to be like, okay, I'm, I own it. Yeah. So, yeah. so like you're not, you don't identify in the box that the Democrat party could put you in, but you also don't feel like you identify in the box that being a conservative could put you in. Correct. So tell me more about where you found your community. Like, I don't want to say box, but for, you know, lack of a better term, like where do you feel like you found your box? Well, uh, the log cabin Republicans, which awesome. is the number one club, I guess you will say, for gay Republicans, Mm -hmm. people who, you know, identify as gay, but are fiscally conservative and ultimately just want freedom and want a lawful society that is accepting of everybody, Mm -hmm. really, you know. The um, definition of inclusivity, right? Exactly. It treats everybody the same. Totally. Equality. Equality, um, equal, whether you are black, brown, gay, or Mm -hmm. straight, or white, or whatever. And that community really helped me to understand that I'm not alone and that I don't have to believe the Democrat narrative of yeah. since I'm gay, then I must be a Democrat. Right. Do yeah. you feel like a lot of members of LCR, log cabin Republicans, feel the same way you did? Like they were struggling with their identity growing up, felt like maybe they were they needed to be a part of the Democrat Party and have that belief system and then found their way slowly back? 
Oh, definitely. Really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's also another group. It's called Walk Away. Uh And that was big for me as well, because I didn't really, wasn't really a Democrat, but I obviously believed more in that Mm because with gay LGBT issues. So tell me about Walk Away. Is it LGBT based? No, it's uh, former Democrats and kind of waking up, I guess you shall say, to... um, Red-pilled. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Red-pilled. And a lot of them are very conservative now. Mm -hmm. You know, they would call themselves conservative. But they grew up in Democrat households. They were black, you know, and they were similar to the gay community. Mm -hmm. If they were black, they were told, hey, you know, only the Democrats help black people. Right. You know what I mean? Um, You know, and all Republicans are white supremacists and, you know, are Bible-thumping Christian evangelical preachers, you know? And so a lot of them have been red-pilled. And I feel like I fit with those people, too, because Mm -hmm. they're not, they're far from evangelical, (laughs) (laughs) Republican, right-wing, you you know, people. Yeah, because before we jumped on this podcast, you said you don't really describe yourself as religious or anything like that. So it's, you know, you feel like No, I mean, my grandfather was a pastor, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't evangelical. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Okay. Yeah, so you don't have, like, that background in religion, which is cool to for you to find people who meet you in the middle almost as, at the Correct. same time. Exactly. And I do follow a couple of people who, um, they're Christian, identify as Christian, and they're also gay. So Right, so it's like, yeah. you know, it's, people totally. are that way. Yeah, I mean, we're all created in God's image, so. But I would consider myself very spiritual. Yeah, for in, sure. In a sense. Yeah. No, it's cool. It, it's cool to hear your perspective, too, because... You know, you are in the middle. You have had this different experience than I have. You know, like I've always really grown up Republican, pretty conservative, Christian, you know, that traditional way of growing up and didn't really tap into my own political beliefs and, you know, understand like what do I believe in until probably the last couple of years just with COVID. So it's cool to listen to your journey as well and, you know, lead us to where we're sitting here today. And I mean, I might add to question to my parents, which I do have a lot of beliefs that we share, but you know, my mom and I get into heated discussions sometimes about LGBT issues, um, trans issues Really, where I feel I am more on the the left, I guess in in a way. And she's more on the right, you know, and it's interesting to just have those conversations that we disagree. So to find my own middle ground as well and not be like, okay, everything Mm -hmm. that I, you know, like figure out what you believe versus what someone's telling you to believe, whether it be your mom, whether it be Fox news or CNN or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's a really cool way to look at it. Yeah. Okay. So I want to go a little bit more into the history of log cabin Republicans. So I know that they started in 1977 to oppose discrimination of homosexual teachers with the Briggs initiative. I mean, that is a little before my time, (laughs) but I actually am, I'm, I am pleasantly surprised that it started in 1977. Right. Um, because I didn't, obviously, I'm a 90s kid. Did you know Reagan of, was the one who, like, really solidified LCR and, like, gave it the credence and credibility that it does, that it has? Yes, correct. I think that's, that's so in cool. The, in the 80s. Like, like I, the more that I, I read agree. about him, I'm like, wait, he was a really cool guy. <laughs> yeah, no, and he was very spiritual. It's totally different, too, than the narrative that... A lot of people make you believe. We praise Lyndon Bain Johnson, LBJ, LBJ all the time for the Great Society and Mm -hmm. all these social programs to help, you know, LGBT people and people of color and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, Reagan was doing that as well. Yeah. He did. um, Well, and I feel like with the Great Society, with LBJ, he almost used that as a way to enlarge and strengthen the federal government versus Reagan. He was much more of a believer in small government. Correct. And what LCR stands for today, which is, you know, individual liberty and having your personal freedoms and all that stuff. Correct. Not this huge conglomerate government forcing down your throats what you should believe, what you should say, and what you can't say. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I know we're going to be talking about this a little bit, but... I do want to touch a little on the differences between LCR's approach to Donald Trump in the 2016 campaign versus their approach to him in 2020. Mm. Can you speak on that at all? It definitely, I think, gained momentum for log cabin Republicans with the election of Donald Trump. I mean, even just personally, I finally felt a sense of relief almost because I, I was like, wow, here's a president that believes fiscal you know smaller government fiscally conservative but in the bedroom he does not care right and he's not making you believe one way or the other you know he's not against any minorities at all he wants to help minorities because we're all americans right and so that was the first time i think that 
the log cabins really use that to our advantage, which we should because that is a great initiative. The first openly gay cabinet member yeah. uh, was elected by Donald Trump, you know. Yeah, or appointed. Appointed, yeah. yeah That's Rick Trump. Grinnell, right? Rick Grinnell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it's really cool to see public perception over time change for Trump and his yeah. beliefs and approaches towards anybody. You know, like he didn't care where you came from or who you love. It was just about, can you do a good job? And do we have the political beliefs aligned in order to really push our agenda forward? Correct. Yeah. And even people who didn't believe his political beliefs when he was in office in, to me, Anthony Fauci is a good example. Mm -hmm. He listened to Anthony Fauci. You know, he really did actually in a lot of ways. And he also made his own you decisions. Know, decisions as well but but yeah no I think he's very inclusive I uh, agree and know. it's cool because I think um you know somebody in leadership I was researching it from LCR said that he was the most pro-LGBT Republican president in modern history yeah like probably since Reagan if not more so than Reagan and in 2020 LCR actually endorsed him a whole year before his campaign to get to be reelected. so yep that just goes to say, I mean, he really did prove himself while he was in office to be a man of the people, almost a populist in the sense that he wanted everybody to feel represented Correct. and feel like they could be included in this society. Correct. Totally. So. Yeah. And to not be afraid to, to be more outspoken. You know, I think Reagan, he was not as maybe outspoken around LGBT issues because during that time it was more, you know, uh, not as hush-hush, not as talked about, which was okay. That was kind of the zeitgeist of that time. Mm -hmm. But I think now it's so refreshing to have the zeitgeist. We are moving forward. I mean, Donald Trump moved the ball so much more forward with LGBT issues yeah, and discussing them and appointing cabinet members. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually did put in a bill to study AIDS more and Mm -hmm. to actually um, move that ball forward as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, mm -hmm. That's awesome. A lot more than any other Democratic president did, more than Obama actually, to study AIDS research. Yeah. Donald Trump. Wow. mm -hmm. I didn't know that. See, the more you know. Yeah. I mean, and I think it also speaks to the, the start of how you're seeing some party realignment now. And I know that's like our second topic, really. So I think this is a really great transition Mm -hmm. into how, in your eyes, you feel like the gay community has kind of shifted more in support of the Republican Party. Do you feel like there's still, obviously still the majority are probably more supportive of the Democrat Party? And then I want to also ask you about the differences between the two. I mean, every day I'm surprised by how many gay Republicans there There are, are, you know, and not even from middle America, but from New York city mm-hmm. or from or Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, um, do you follow are, Dave Rubin? Yep. Dave Rubin. I love him. He's yeah. I love Dave Rubin. Let's see. Oh my gosh. I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> he's a great Fox news contributor, but he he's gay. And I just found that out. You know, okay. so I'm always, it's so interesting. And he again, doesn't really say, Hey, I'm gay, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'm work for Fox news. But I think more and more people who have been working actually in Fox news, are coming out probably even since the early 2000s and the 90s are even coming out more wow. and being like hey I am gay you know I'm getting married like Dave Rubin or yeah you know, people like that and I think that's awesome mm-hmm. you know I mean I think the tables are turning a lot in you terms do. of the majority of Republicans supporting oh yeah and and, uh, and more gays actually siding with the Republicans more than the Democrats yeah. frankly well I think um, when you finally yeah. like dig into it and you understand beyond the talking points that you hear on mm-hmm. CNN or even talking points that you see on Twitter, you drill down into the details of the facts and you realize, oh, people should need to be doing more research. And once they finally read into it and develop opinions mm-hmm. of their own, it helps to... I mean, I hate to say, but I do think the Democratic Party, which I don't even want to, I don't even mean this in malice at all, but are kind of digging their own grave in a sense mm-hmm. because they're they're stranding out everything. You know, it's LGBTQ plus, I think now or something. I don't even know uh, what like that so means. It's like so many things. I don't even know what it is honest. And that's great. I mean, I am for everyone, but they are picking the 1%, if you yeah. know, like very small, small, small minority of trans people or the gay community. Mm-hmm. I, I think just a couple months ago, someone did tell me, well, you have more privilege because you're a white gay man versus like a 
So they basically invalidated what your opinion was because you're a white gay man? Yes, I have more privilege than someone who is trans person of color or something like that you know and so now i'm basically i'm a white supremacist even you know oh my gosh <laughs> and it's gone to me that's just yeah it's too far know, i mean it's too far you're just saying like, okay well like it's like almost a race or a, like a battle between who is the biggest victim in the room Correct. so whose opinion matters the most exactly. or who gets to have the biggest opinion totally and i think me being a gay person i love history too and I've researched a lot about, you know, gay history in New York City and the Stonewall riots and all of that. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats use it as a talking point, like, oh, the police are so terrible. They raided Stonewall. That's actually not what happened. That is a narrative saying the police are terrible. Right. They raid it. You know, they hate gay people. There's a lot of gay police people in New York City. Yeah. Um, So what happened in Stonewall? Because, I mean, that was what, that was literally the story I knew. Yeah. Well, there was illegal activity yeah. and that is why but they didn't storm stonewall necessarily mm-hmm. um there was illegal activity that was happening and that is why but they weren't just targeted randomly out of the blue right necessarily i mean you know i'm not saying it wasn't happening i it was but that is a pretty small percentage of the police force yeah and that's the narrative that was told to everybody correct you know 90 percent of the police up to 100 percent even yeah. are against yeah. gay people that's what bothers me so much the media i'll be honest on the left and right they take whatever narrative confirms their beliefs Mm -hmm. and even if it's the smallest fraction of what the story really is that's what they go with and it's really unfortunate because when you have a platform and you're talking about stuff like that you're convincing masses at a time that Mm -hmm. that is the way the world is correct and it creates more and more and more division and all of a sudden you are in a society where literally people comment on LinkedIn talking about how the entire right side is a white supremacist organization. Correct. I think too, I'm very open. Obviously I sided more with the Democrats, you know, as a younger person. And yeah, I mean, even my mom always laughs and she says you're a Democrat till, till you're 30. And I, I kind of think that is true. I hate to say, right? because I mean, you start to become an adult and you realize, you know, taxes where do they go? Yeah. <laughs> Where do they go? <laughs> you know go? what I mean? Uh, different things like that. I'm, yeah. I don't want to get off topic here, but For yeah, sure. definitely. No, but I, I do think it's just really short-sighted of people on either side to go with a fraction of the story and just announce that to the masses Correct. because that's not the full story. And you're forming people's opinions based on barely any information. And exactly. then you just have really divisive Yeah, I mean, like lines. the police. I mean, there's a lot of gay police officers. I mean, the village people, you know, Back in the, in the 80s, day, right? Back in the day, YMCA. Yeah, like, yeah YMCA, <laughs> exactly. Like, which is Trump's song, I you know, which it. I think is hilarious. And I think that's awesome. <laughs> and I love it. Because that's truly inclusive. To me, that's cool because that is America. That's our cities. Like everybody comes in every different shape, size, personality, trait. Everybody's so different and everybody is American. Everyone's American. Not, I think, frankly, I think Donald Trump, that is like his new slogan. I think we're all American. I agree with that because I think the difference now between the right and the left has gotten so stark. The FBI, who is, I, in my opinion, you know, really pretty corrupt and, mm-hmm. and leftly biased, mm-hmm. you know, is telling, like, handing out internal flyers about, like, what to be on the lookout for for domestic terrorist signs. And one of them is a Betsy Ross flag. <laughs> and, you know, it's all these very pro-American, quote-unquote, signs that are now considered to the left as anti-American and domestic terrorist. And... It just goes to show how far radically the left has pushed itself. And it's now, it's it's out of touch. It, it just is, is, out, it of is touch. out of touch. It is. And I mean, I guess a point that I wanted to bring up with this was the flag, Gilbert Baker, the pride flag that he created. And the new pride flag, I guess you should say, like our of our time or yeah. whatever, that features the trans, which I think is good, but... The colors didn't mean that. That doesn't really make sense to be, in my opinion, that just doesn't. I mean, the history of the Gilbert Baker pride flag. And also, I have a lot of black friends, actually, but why is it featured now on a pride flag? I I don't understand that. I I just don't. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Do you feel like (laughs) it's almost a way to group all of these, quote-unquote, oppressed groups together in a way that is supposed to bring some kind of unity? Totally, yeah. But then breaking it apart of 
who is more oppressed. Like I'm, you know, I'm mm-hmm. white and gay, so I'm not as oppressed as, you know, I'm a black trans gay person, right. like, trans person right. of color or whatever, which is ridiculous. It, well, it's alienating. Yeah. It is alienating. Because yeah. you, you literally, if the Democrat party had a different kind of philosophy, actually did practice what it preached about being inclusive, like you probably would still be a Democrat. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And totally. now the Democrat Party used to be the party of, you know, the blue collar worker, the the small guy, the union laborer. The village people. The village people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now they're like the bi-coastal, college educated, elite class. Mostly white. Yeah. And yeah. for years and years and years, I was actually, you know, going back and looking at the history of party realignment and starting in the 1850s the Whig party had been like the prominent party. It was like Whigs and Democrats Mm -hmm. and they clashed over slavery. So the Whig party kind of died and the Democrat party split into Democrats and Republicans and Republicans was founded by Abe Lincoln and Mm -hmm. was the anti-slavery party. And that was how it was for however many years until the great depression. And then you saw black Americans who were recently or had initially been members of the Republican Party switch parties, but it wasn't because of slavery. It was because the Democrat Party at the time was supplying a need for them when they were literally not able to make ends meet, couldn't feed their family. The Democrat Party was the party that said that they were going to save them from that. And Republicans had taken them for granted for however many years and didn't tap into that. And now you're kind of seeing that shift again. Yep, with because, Donald Trump, I think has definitely shifted that narrative for sure. Yeah, and now you're seeing typically active communities that would have normally been, you know, associated with the Democrat Party, the gay community, the black community, Hispanic community. They're all kind of shifting because the Democrat Party has alienated itself from everyone else. Correct. By yeah. calling themselves woke. And I mean, we're not, I think FDR for the even the time, some of the programs were good, but we're not in the 30s and 40s anymore. We're right. not. This isn't the Great Depression anymore. We are out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? We uh, And Donald Trump, frankly, has done a lot more for the black community, the Hispanic community. I think actually this past election, 2020, he got most of the vote, though, in South Texas. Yeah. It's actually I mean, Donald that Trump. makes sense. It's more because, red than ever. Well, yeah. I mean, you heard <laughs> so, about that district that yeah. got flipped, the one that Myra Flores won. Mm -hmm. she's her husband is a border patrol agent and she won in a special election and flipped a district that had been blue for 150 years nuts yeah but before we move on from the topic of party realignment i do want to go back to how the democrat party has just pushed itself to the extreme in a lot of ways and i would love your opinion on you know what's going on in schools The Florida bill, the Parental Rights in Education Act that was uh, put into law, I forget when exactly, a lot of people on the left were coining it, don't say gay. Mm -hmm. And so I would love your thoughts on all of it. Okay. I think Ron DeSantis is painted as, again, white supremacist. He hates gay people. I mean, look at Miami. I mean, there's, (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. I think that he doesn't really care what you do in the bedroom. And yeah. And personally for me, with the parental rights bill specifically, we do have to have some general laws that we all agree on the population Mm -hmm. for our society. Mm -hmm. And one of them is children. And from first to third grade, you know, Mm -hmm. sex is not talked about in a capacity on both sides. I don't care if you're straight, gay, trans, you like chandeliers. I mean, you know, (laughs) anything. It should not be discussed. I mean, these are children. Growing up in the early 2000s, I try to look back and be like, okay, what did I think about th- around that age? Was right. I thinking about sex? Like, was I right. thinking about and, uh, the guy next to me is trans yeah. or I am, am I gay? I didn't even think about those things. Right. And to that point, because no. I know you said that you realized that you were gay at an early age. The opposition to this law says that this law targets kids who think that they might be confused or think that they might be gay or trans or whatever, or kids who have parents that are gay. Coming from your experience, because you did mention that you knew you were gay from an early age, Mm -hmm. do you feel like this bill does that at any capacity? I think not really in relation to children as much because, like I said, looking back, I know I was gay, if that makes sense. But, like, when I was in second grade, I wasn't like, Mom, I'm gay. Or even to myself, I wasn't like, oh, I'm gay. And I, you know, it was who was building the 
better sandcastle on the playground and who had the better, <laughs> you know, carrot sticks. Like literally, right. that was literally what we discussed. Like that was right. literally the but, extent of it. Yeah. But like it, even when I was in third grade, yeah. I didn't, I literally thought boys had cooties. Yeah. I didn't like exactly. to talk to them. <laughs> you know, and looking back, I mean, I had a lot of girlfriends back then, but like, it, you know, obviously we would, you know, talk about our lunches. You right. know, it wasn't about... I'm trans and yeah. like, I can't wait to have my surgery. Yeah. You know? I mean, that. but oh my, my point gosh. is, I guess with the, it's not really the kids because frankly, kids are kids and, and it is my belief, but they're not thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. But if I lived in Florida and I did have a partner and we had a kid and they're going to school and I mean, I don't, maybe, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like if it was brought up, which the bill doesn't, to my knowledge, doesn't say, like, if it's brought up, then it can't not be discussed. For example, if another kid in class and my kid, you know, had a discussion, they were like, oh, my kid's name's Bradley. Right. Bradley, why do you have two dads or whatever? Then I bet the teacher would probably discuss. I mean, I would if I was a teacher in Florida. I'd be like, well, because, mm-hmm. you know, they both love each other and they just happen to be two male people or two female people. Right. And they decided to get married and have a, yeah. a relationship together and have... And that's fair enough. I think this bill also puts the power back in parents. So like if your son Bradley went and asked his teacher in a curious way about all of this, then it would be your job as one of his dads to educate him on it, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's the ultimate goal of that bill is to keep the education portion of our society in the classrooms and Mm -hmm. leave the education of our society culture, leave that to the parents. Correct. Exactly. Because you want to be the one to instill values in your kid. Correct. Not their teacher. Mm -hmm. And you've seen these crazy... Have you seen the crazy videos on TikTok? Yeah, Yeah, they're crazy sometimes. I mean, people, uh, teachers wearing heels in like a third grade classroom. It's scary. You know, and I'm like, I'm all for drag, you know, going to drag brunch, (laughs) whatever. I mean, you know... Would you take little baby Bradley to drag? If I was a dad and I had... Bradley, I would not take him to a drag show. No, I would not. No, and I wouldn't. It's sad because you can see it on yeah. their faces. You know, these little kids' faces are like, what? They're just yeah. confused. They're confused. And maybe around six, you know, I mean, I look back at when I kind of started to question that in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and that was like really fifth, sixth grade, you know. Okay. So like 12, um, 11, yeah, 12. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever age that is. So like, yeah, a little 12, 13 is yeah. kind of like when, yeah. then maybe I would. I think there also needs to be certain levels. Mm-hmm. It's not all of a sudden like, Bradley, you're 13. Let's go to a drag brunch and mm-hmm. there's trans people everywhere, you know, and it, no, right. like it's kind of like saying, oh, I'm going to take Bradley to a strip club. Right. No, that's, me, what, that's it literally what it there's is. There's literally videos it's of little like four year olds dancing for money. 12 year old to Vegas. Yeah. You know, you I would not take my 12, 12 year old to Vegas. I don't care if I'm straight, gay or yeah. even trans. There's a reason you can't be like 18 or, or 21 in some places to enter a strip club. Correct. Totally. They're not adults. Like they still have their no. whole, they have to figure out who they are. Their brain has to develop. Correct. And that's my issue with the opposition to the bill is it almost feels a little creepy because you're you're getting so upset about restrictions being placed on what you can teach a nine-year-old in the classroom. Correct. A nine-year-old who doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And you're defending your ability to make it normal. Yeah. Which, you know, I might get in trouble for saying that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you talk, and I know our next topic is going to be a little bit about mental health. But I think when you normalize behaviors that you know to, in your core, like, aren't right and moral and good, those kids are going to be subject to a lot of mental health issues later in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do think though, we should be teaching our kids about history and about geography and about where Paris is located, (laughs) you know, not drag brunch necessarily. Right. Now I do think, and again, the bill does not state this, but we should teach our kids about LGBTQ Mm -hmm. history. I do. I really do. Now, again, appropriate levels as well. You know, we're not going to talk about fetishes in third grade. Yeah. But maybe like Gilbert Baker, there's this community and he created a pride flag to represent the community. Mm-hmm. Great. You yeah. Know? That's... Well, because that's a part know, of American history. Exactly. It's a part of our cultural fabric. Mm-hmm. You know? And you know that saying, you want to teach history so it doesn't repeat itself. Correct. You exactly. want to arm our kids, the youth, with the knowledge and the facts of what happened previously so that they learn from it and Correct. they don't make the same mistakes exactly. that we did.
And I think we can definitely do this. Donald Trump and even Ron DeSantis, they're not saying that we can't teach an appropriate level of LGBT history. Right. I think that does need to be taught in schools. Yeah. I do. I really do. Like, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, to an appropriate level for the child. But in the same breath, also appropriate history as it relates to heterosexual relationships too. Oh, totally. Like you yeah. literally wouldn't go into a classroom of nine-year-olds and talk about sex correct between exactly. a man and a woman yeah you wouldn't go in and talk about concubines right in right in <laughs> southeast asia or i don't know you know what i mean like yeah. the red light districts in china no. or something. i mean you mean amsterdam yeah, or amsterdam you know so is there one in china yeah i think so oh yeah. i did not know that oh, yeah I remember I was about 13, 14, and my mom was like, we're going to watch Memoirs of a Geisha. Mm-hmm. And I Whoa. was like, yeah. That's and it a was very like, insightful what? You know, yeah, movie exactly. for exactly. And I was like, wow, this is a thing. But she thought it was level appropriate. And again, it that was, should be up to the parents. It was up to her. Too. It was up to her to be like, okay, we're going to watch this film. Mm-hmm. Because... Nash know, I feel enough. Nash is mature enough to yeah. understand it and to watch the film. Right. And then we'll have a discourse and discussion too about it. Yeah. No, it should not be up to the teacher saying, okay, we're in first grade. Let's watch Memoirs of a Geisha and go to drag brunch. It's really sad what you're starting to see. Even in Texas, there was that drag brunch in yep. Dallas. Correct. They had their kids brought to this and the parents thought that they were. That's my other problem with all of this is the parents who do bring their children to things like this want points being you know definitely or yeah i mean i'm a gay man i would not bring bradley to no i mean and and i saw the invite actually for that because i looked it up i was curious and they said oh it's appropriate for children or whatever no it's not Mm -mm. i mean it's kind of like saying a strip club here in dallas somewhere saying well we have an event it's not going to be topless but it'll be more subdued Mm -hmm. um, straight event for kids do you no. think do you think parents would be like I can't wait to have Johnny bring little them baby to, Johnny yeah little baby Johnny come <laughs> to a straight event and have him learn about all this I can't wait or like baby Lizzie like a little girl I going and create and looking a parody at- of like a invite and be like at the gentleman's rhino club today we have a kids event and just bring your little johnny or you know little amanda and she's gonna dress up and just be it's wrong it is so like why would you do it too it's bizarre it's weird and you see a lot of these people who are really pushing for little babies on quote-unquote gender affirmations are getting charged with possession of child pornography and Mm -hmm. like some of these like super gross pedophilic things like, they shouldn't ever be around a kid. Yeah. So what does that tell you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think growing up, it wasn't really about sex, really. It was more about I'm an artist. Like, it was... Yeah. I got teased for being different because I made art or because mm-hmm. I was more artistic or whatever. And I kind of associated that with being gay in a way. I Do you feel know. like it's changed now? Do you feel like it's just gotten so much more sexualized? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. By just the teachers and the parents. Yeah, it has. It definitely has. Yeah. Which is sad because you came to your own conclusions about who you are. Correct. On your own time. Correct. Without any input or influence from somebody who you considered an authority figure. Mm -hmm. Like imagine how much weight a teacher's opinion has on your life. Mm -hmm. I had teachers in high school that I still remember. Middle school, elementary school that I loved. That if they told me, oh honey, it's okay if you think that you're a boy. Just don't, you don't have to tell your parents either. You can just talk to me about it. Like that would have screwed me up mm-hmm. later on in life. I mean, my personal thing was I was kind of a badass kid, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm not a rule breaker necessarily, but I was like, you can't force me to okay. me think a certain way or whatever. I was like, so you've I'm, always had that. Always had awesome. kind of don't tread on me sort yeah. of situation. I love you it. know what I mean? And, um, which I know obviously kids are maybe more impressionable. I mean, they are. So going back to the bill, I think that's good. Mm -hmm. I do think, like I said, we have to have certain rules in society that do establish and keep our society. Because frankly, as uh, Americans, we are very diverse. Mm -hmm. You know, we come from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different cultures. But to your point, like we have to have a shared set of rules and values on some level. Exactly. To operate. Correct. And I think the bill does that beautifully, frankly. I do too, because I I think some people would say that it doesn't go far enough. Mm -hmm. Some people would say it goes too far. And I think with a bill like that, having something in the middle probably means it's successful. A Mm -hmm. successful piece of legislation is one that brings an element of compromise to the table. Correct. Exactly. Bipartisan is a great great thing. But what's crazy is that is the compromise. 
I, I'm personally of the opinion it doesn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. Just hmm. because I still think a third grader is too young. What do you, is it a age range for you? Like, what is it that would make you be like, okay, this is, this is everything? I'd honestly have to think about it a little bit, but I definitely am on board with making sure that a parent gets to instill values into their children. I don't think it should ever come from a school. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. agree with you. I think if it does come up, if it's brought up by a child, then I understand wanting to talk about it. But that's very, it can be a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there could mm-hmm. be better safeguards in place for when a discussion like that does come up. Because if you think about a teacher who maybe does lean a little bit more radically left and some question gets raised to them about same-sex marriages, being trans, whatever it may be, I wouldn't want them to use that as an opportunity to indoctrinate, you know? Sure. So raising the age limit too mm-hmm. by only but even like a couple years mm-hmm. you know everyone's different yeah you know? and that's I mean, well that's the point every, of this podcast every, too like yeah you exactly and I can have very and well different. in children too like like i said i watched mem- memoirs of Vacation when i was 13 mm-hmm. maybe another kid you'd be like 15 before right. they watch it i don't know you know sure. I mean? like every parent and every everybody parents exactly. differently everybody's raised differently and you and i could have different views about that and that's mm-hmm. okay and i mean luckily my parents were very supportive of me mm-hmm. and even my mom was like well I knew you were gay <laughs> you know when I when about 13 yeah 14 when you but, kind of figured but she out. was like I'm gonna leave that up to you to mm-hmm. to tell me mm-hmm. you know I'm not gonna be like so, or even ask you are you gay and all right. that stuff which I think is great I wouldn't even do that even as a yeah. sex parent well because she allowed you to come to your own conclusions exactly exactly and just get the facts and then Children are pretty smart too, yeah. actually. You know, I mean, humans are, are yeah, smart. <laughs> right. You know, we, we do have certain things that just come to their own conclusions. Have LGBTQ history, like I said, mm-hmm. appropriate for the age, you know, I mm-hmm. would say, or, or for the parents sure. too. And then just history. I don't necessarily, frankly, agree with you maybe on the age, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's necessarily an age situation yeah I mean it's like anything it's like drinking age or driving age all this sort of stuff it's kind of hard but I think policy kind of has to do that in some ways because you can't you have to satisfy the larger percentage of society you can't just cater to that to a specific to a specific group or that one percent of and and the biggest thing with all this too is I just feel so terrible for the children who are going through this right now there was like a video on TikTok that went viral of a teacher crying with happy tears and tears of relief but also anger because she said that every single child in her classroom came out as trans to her wow and she's obviously an advocate for trans everything and you know being all the gender Mm -hmm. fluidity gender Mm -hmm. affirmations all that stuff and she had stated you know i'm a safe place if you feel like you can't go to your parents but the fact that her entire classroom came to her with I that, know. like, that's not normal. No. Well, growing up in the early 2000s and then the late 90s, I look back and actually no one, even today, like, no one really from my classes ever came out as trans. Also, why is it LA and why is it New York and why is it the coasts? Why that there's an uptick of trans people? I mean, Bill Mayer is kind of a laughing stock, you know, obviously, but. Um, he said, you know, by 2050, everyone's going to be gay. I mean, you know, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, the data is like that. I mean, from gen, you know, the silent generation up till today. Yeah. Like there's more people in Gen Z who identify within the LGBT community than there are millennials, but there's more millennials than Gen X. And then there's more Gen X than baby boomers, I guess. Which is, I get that. I think, you know, people didn't really want to come out or that sort of thing. And it's definitely very safe to come out now. Right. I mean, to the point where I'm getting bashed because I'm a white gay person. Right. Like um, you don't have an opinion you know, you're Yeah, exactly. Gay. White, gay, white gay person. But yeah. Because of where we are now, you see all these kids. Speaking of Gen Z, who, you know, is the most LGBT generation mm-hmm. that we've seen to date, they're also the most heavily medicated and have the most anxiety. Totally. And I think this is a really good segue into our conversation about mental health Mm. and how that leads to even homelessness because Mm -hmm. it all really ties together. And so, you Mm -hmm. know, when you're telling people that they can identify as a tree or whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. they have to have some grasp on reality in order to function in a society and be happy with themselves. And we all go through those awkward stages Mm -hmm. growing up, you know, like 
I am not gay or anything, but there were times in my life as a teenager or even before that where I was struggling with who I was mm-hmm. and didn't know, and you know, went through periods of a little bit more depressive moments. And I think that's normal as a kid and growing up to go through. But when you introduce this whole other level of sexualization mm-hmm. and saying you can be whatever you want to be, they, they don't have their identity rooted in reality, which can be really scary later on. Yes, exactly. It, this I can't really wrap my head around, to be honest, the I'm neither a male or female. I'm right. Something. I'm non-binary, know, you know, non-binary or something. I don't know. I, I can't speak for that because I'm not that, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with right. you. I mean, and as a gay man, I do not understand that at all. Yeah. Because... It's almost kind of like it's not what you are attracted to, really. It's it's not even about sex. It's actually a personality now. Right. That's what it is. It's yeah. a personality. Yeah, like, it's, a, yeah, yeah, like your exactly. identity, how you identify as Yes, yourself. you yeah. identify as this thing that just this, morphs or, you know, whatever. <laughs> a fluid thing. Yeah, I identify as, like, a lamp or whatever, you know. Right. Like, But it doesn't really even have to do with sex, really. Yeah, it doesn't. In a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. There, it doesn't. It doesn't. Which is it's crazy because, like, that, that's why it's so interesting to me how it is grouped in with, with sex. sex. I've never really understood that. Because I even, I have these conversations with myself, kind of weird, but would I go through the surgeries to be trans or whatever? I'm like, absolutely not. Like, right. I like my body. And I, even 10 years ago, growing up in the 90s, they would be like, you have a mental illness. Yeah. Like, you have, you have body dysmorphia. Right. Um, I think it, trans is body dysmorphic thing Mm -hmm. and they they say that Mm -hmm. but then why are we going and being like it's okay to do like and even today in the fat acceptance movement and all that Mm -hmm. it's like insane to me i mean (laughs) it just it kind of revolves around this though is like we're normalizing body dysmorphia right and we're normalizing mental illness i thought we were supposed to help mentally ill people yeah and personally speaking, I was actually just recently diagnosed with a, a schizoaffective disorder, basically, where I'm, I, you know, obviously I have a normal life, but mm-hmm. I have periods where I have depression and actually see certain things mm-hmm. if I don't get enough sleep or, you know, I drink too much, right. that sort of thing. So, so I have to monitor, monitor that in myself, but it's kind of like... The, these people are not mm-hmm. we're not understanding right. we're not pushing the ball forward in right. science of let's understand this and um like me i have to understand i can't drink too much i have to get more sleep maybe right. than a normal human you know right average well, person and it's like if you hadn't had that knowledge of yourself and somebody was saying oh well no it's okay that you see things when you're not supposed to like that's okay that's totally normal that yeah that's dangerous for you it is dangerous for me yeah you know, it's you, not that compassionate you don't have a problem. to you. No, it's not compassionate at all. It's easy to do. It's easy to not try to hurt someone's feelings to validate their reality or whatever. Not even reality, but to validate their thoughts and statements. But it's not compassionate. No. And I think you see that a lot with even what's happening in California, especially, you know, but even other parts of the world with the homelessness crisis, mm-hmm. you know, people think that they're being compassionate to these homeless folks because they're letting them live on the street. You know, they mm-hmm. don't have anywhere else to go, so you just leave them alone. Or these drug centers that you see popping up everywhere where you can safely do drugs. Correct. And it's not compassionate. It's not. It's dangerous to them. Correct. Exactly. And it, it really, I don't know, it goes hand in hand. Like you have mm-hmm. to have some sense of discipline and order in order to be compassionate and rehabilitating for some of these people. Well, I think, you know, I was watching Tucker and there's a woman who was on Tucker Carlson today speaking about, she was an ex-drug addict mm-hmm. and she was on the streets in LA and she finally got clean when and I'm not saying this is the answer, but she finally got clean when she went to prison for more than a couple months because they go to prison, right? Mm-hmm. Or jail, but only for a couple months at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're let back out on right. the streets. So they don't learn their lesson, if you will. Yeah. Um, they're just like, well, they maybe get clean for a couple days even, and then they just go back on the streets and they start using again. Jeez. And I mean, it, it's addiction. So I get that. There should be more programs, I think, that 
are therapies to help you deal with your addiction in prisons, frankly, and we should enforce the laws that we have. So yeah, you're going to go to prison. You know, we need to be enforcing these laws because it's our society. We have to have a benchmark. Right. Well, it's Um, unsafe for everybody, for for them and for everybody else. And for everybody else. Correct. Children. Yeah. Needles on the ground. I was reading on the New York Post the other day that all these abandoned shelters for COVID are the the restaurant outdoor thingy yeah they're kind of abandoned now and people have sex in them they oh, wow. defecate in them they sleep in them they have cots and all the stuff and talk about viruses you That's know so bacteria sad. and what do you so what do you do with these people mm-hmm. i do think you need to be like hey you do need to go to jail mm-hmm. but then be like okay if you have addiction but you have therapy modalities and slowly rehabilitate these people I know you spend a lot of time in California mm-hmm. and LA specifically. So would you speak a little bit about the homeless population there and problems that you're seeing? Yeah. I mean, I went to West Hollywood area. So like a nicer a area. Yeah. Pretty nice area like Beverly Boulevard. Yeah. And there was tents in the median of Beverly Boulevard, which I was shocked because coming from Texas, we don't have that. Why? Because the police are going to be like, hey, you can't pitch a tent there. Right. But in California, they're like, meh, okay, you can pitch a tent right on the median in Beverly Boulevard, you know, and use electricity from the malls, just outlets at Bloomingdale's to heat up your microwave. And they have microwaves. They have cell phones. They, they have like, TVs. They use electronics. They use electronics. They have iPads. Oh. I'm sorry. Like, no. In New York City, I go to New York a lot. They have free USB charging ports. Mm-hmm. And you see the homeless people. You know, charging their phones all day, just sitting there. Again, it would be an interesting experiment for me to pitch a tent myself on the highway and see if... On the highway? I would not be okay with that. Near the highway. (laughs) Safe, I guess. You know, safer. I wouldn't be on the highway, but near the highway. And see if I get reprimanded or ticketed or any of that. It would be interesting for me. Mm -hmm. Obviously not, though, because LA, for example, you know, they don't enforce the laws. No camping vans, that sort of thing. Yeah. From Um, what I've heard about LA, it's just so sad. Like, Venice Beach has just homeless people everywhere. The shoulders of the highways are just crowded. Well, in going back to mental illness, for example, even me, I think if I didn't have the support system or even understanding for myself what I need to do to take care of myself, I'd probably be on the streets, to be honest. I'd be like a lot of the people in LA, to be honest, just getting on drugs. Like they maybe have uh, bipolar disorder, undiagnosed, or schizoaffective disorder, schizophrenia, undiagnosed, Mm -hmm. and... They're 18, 19, 20-year-olds going out and they get hooked on drugs. The drugs are exasperating their mental illness. And then LA's like, oh, we'll just give you more drugs. Great. Jeez. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, let, I think that's a smart thing. Yeah. To, no, that's not. Mm-mm. No. Well, and I think you, you know, have like a very so interesting perspective on that because you understand the importance of addressing mental health issues and making sure that you're taking the steps that you need to keep yourself functioning, you know, mm-hmm. and doing things that are safe for you and helping your own health. Correct. They, I think we need to teach. That's the rehabilitation prison system. Mm-hmm. That you're think thinking. To, yeah, yeah. Teach these people how to take care of yourself, how to cook, how to clean, how mm-hmm. to have a home, how to have relationships. Yeah. And frankly, they're babies, basically. Like you kind of go into a state of almost a child, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so they need to be taught these things mm-hmm. and how to live in society again. Because they never were because their parents are probably drug addicts as well Mm -hmm. you know or for some reason they just didn't develop the tools they never developed the tools so saying hey okay we'll give you an ipad and some housing they don't know how to take care of a home it's like telling a seven-year-old hey go live on your own here's your apartment key they're gonna be like what well they can't because they haven't learned those skills to clean the house to cook to do all Mm -hmm. that because Mm -hmm. they never their parents never taught them that stuff And what's sad is when we don't address the problem now, it's only going to get worse because there aren't any consequences for being homeless. And just with the state of the economy, the state, we're in a recession now. Mm -hmm. That means higher unemployment. And with higher unemployment means that there most likely is going to be more people who can't make ends meet and wind up on the street, which is so sad. Correct. And what do you do? I mean, well... Personally, I think most of them are, because I do read a lot about the homeless and the statistics of the drug abuse of homeless, mm-hmm. the homeless population, and it's 90 to 95% of drug 
abuse, right? Most people are on drugs. And so it's a few of them, yes, are just normal people, if you will, who have come into hard times or whatever Mm -hmm. on the streets. But mostly it is the drug issue and mental illness. And I think that is what's driving the homeless population. What we need to address And I mean, I think it is inhumane where they pass out free fentanyl. Why? They pass out free fentanyl? Yeah, in San Francisco. Wait, Mm -hmm. who? Uh, The government. Yeah, in San Francisco. What? The city governments, yeah. The city government passes pass out, out fentanyl. free fentanyl. Yep, and then the pills to bring you back from, you know, fentanyl overdose. And so before you overdose, the then you're going to get the pill to come back or whatever. Yeah. So you're oh my making, gosh. you know, you're not rehabilitating people and no. you're, not, you're not giving them consequence. You are just saying, hey, go kill yourself, basically. Yeah. That's really sad. We don't really care about you. We don't care about you, basically. But they call it compassion. Correct. Which is not. It's the opposite of compassion. You know, and these people can't think for themselves. They can't be like, oh, I'm going to ration my fentanyl use. Like if they're addicted to it. Exactly. And fentanyl's highly addictive. It's so easy to overdose on. That is scary to me. I did not know that. And it's scary that you can just touch a very small dose of fentanyl and die. So like even mental illness, people need to understand even with families you can't take drugs from your friends or whatever anymore. I don't think it's like the 70s even Mm -hmm. or my mom's generation. And so kids are dying of fentanyl and they're also, they're taking drugs and they're becoming mentally ill and exasperating their mental illness. I do have hope though, because mental health has become more and more Mm destigmatized in the last few years, I would say. Mm -hmm. People much more openly talk about the things that they struggle with. And mental health, in my opinion, is just as important as your physical health. Exactly. Because it can be so debilitating. And if you're, if you don't address it, so I'm hoping that, you know, with the more comfortable everybody gets with talking about it, the more logical it feels for people who didn't support mental health in any way, like the more logical it feels to address those issues, especially with the homeless population, maybe Mm -hmm. that's the first step in making it better. Definitely. Scientifically, things are really moving ahead in terms of gene therapy where, the genes for mental illness so people don't go as far as getting hooked to drugs and then being on the streets when they do have a mental illness they can live a normal life with gene therapies and different modalities that will help mental illness so they don't get that far you know that would be they can live more of a normal life in society definitely so i think there's a lot to be said for that but i do think we need to prioritize getting the homeless off the streets and i think we do that by enforcing our laws more Mm -hmm. and i and it's tough love but yeah we have to enforce our laws for the greater good of society again you have to have that benchmark yeah well i hear about like neighborhoods in portland where homeless people just camp out on someone's front yard and they're scared to let their kid out to go play or they're scared to go to work because they don't know what is going to happen because when you do have somebody Mm -hmm. who's super who's high on any drug correct you can't reason with them you can't no and so it's it's dangerous for mm-hmm. everybody. And so cleaning up that by addressing public health, by getting them off the streets, I, I definitely agree with you. I think, frankly, they do have to go to prison, and they have to go to prison for long enough to understand that mm-hmm. what they're doing is I think wrong, some people know, is, would say, though, that that kind of goes against the whole movement of prison reform. Because the idea, I think, right now is to get people who are busted for weed or whatever Mm -hmm. out of prison earlier. So is your thought that they would go somewhere else other than just like a prison? Possibly, yes. Yeah, I think that's kind of different in a way. Because they need help more than they need to be like rehabilitated in a different capacity. Correct. And I don't even have all the answers because like I said, it's generational too. I was reading, I think it's actually the LA Times. There was a woman who is about 18 years old, 19. She's on her third kid and she has been off and on drugs, Mm. um, crystal meth and all the stuff, fentanyl. And she's clean, but she's smoking during her pregnancy and she is, has nowhere to go. So she's like, also, am I going to get an abortion or am I going to have the kid? And where am I going to have the child? I can't just walk into a hospital like a normal person and and have the child because I'm homeless and don't have health insurance. I don't have any way to have the child. So, and so she's talks about how she's struggling with trying to get a house and then she got clean, but then she relapsed. And so... Also, I feel very sorry with the children because they don't have the parents. Again, it's generational because then those parents, they don't teach their children the ways to clean a home or to act in society and mm-hmm. to, you know, learn about things. And so then they end up repeating that pattern of being drug addicts and on the streets 
on and it just continues and continues. Yeah. So we need to somehow like break the cycle, break that cycle. Yeah. And I don't really know how it's done, but we definitely need to somehow break the cycle. There needs to be a homelessness. Shift. Yeah. yeah. And I think educating people about it, educating others, and mm-hmm. just doing our part, really yeah, all Yeah, education. Can... And like I said, the science community, the psychiatric yeah, community, the... needs to work with prisons and mm-hmm. state and local governments to say, hey, you yeah. have these modalities, and then the police need to work with that as well. I do think that there needs to be that intermediary. Yeah, some sort of collaboration. Exactly. Especially because the Correct. issue just gets, it's getting worse. Yes, everywhere. Exactly. So. And I mean, maybe the answer is to have designated areas within the city or somewhere outside the city where they can live. Yeah, maybe that's an option. It needs to be solved. It really does, because it's not going to get better unless we really address it. This one guy interviewed a homeless person, and he said, I just recently moved across the country to Los Angeles because they basically pay you to be homeless. Oh my gosh. Yeah, which... Yeah, that's right. You know, they give you a cell phone and iPads and, right. and fentanyl. Yeah. That's so sad. I'm still not over that. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, I think we've had a really good discussion, though. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Did you have fun? I did have fun. Yay! I did. Okay, well, before we really wrap up, I want you to rate this wine. We are currently okay. drinking the Alamos Malbec from Mendoza, okay. Argentina. Like, scale 1 um, out of 10. Let me test it first again. I feel like you it. haven't had any of it. I know. <laughs> trying to stay healthy here. I know. I'm just, well, I've been drinking mine, so. I would say it's like an eight for me. I mean, I love Malbec, though. Okay. I do. That's like the highest rating I've gotten on a wine on the podcast so far. I've given pretty Yeah, it's pretty dry. It's not, I mean, I like a dry red wine, Mm -hmm. like lighter. I'm not. Yeah, like no bite. Yeah, but I like that spiciness a little, like Tempranillo. I love Mm -hmm. Tempranillos, Mm -hmm. so. Know. that could be a oh, whole other podcast maybe. <laughs> okay well next time i don't feel I... like i know that much about wine but i know enough I don't know. well next time i invite you on i'll have a tempranillo wine Ooh, ready for you yes, how about that please okay. thank you <laughs> all right nash it has been such a pleasure to have you on where can everybody find you well i am on instagram mm-hmm. black square lover and it's b-l-k-s-q-r-l-v-r okay kind of my I love it my logo because you're my so brand, artsy I and guess. All that. yeah exactly gotcha. I'm so artistic but yeah and I have my design business okay William Nash design William Nash design okay mm-hmm. cool yeah. well I'll make sure to tag you and you. um make sure everybody y'all follow Nash at black square lover and when you listen to this episode please give it five stars and share it with your friends all right thanks everybody <laughs>